Hey, what's going on, everybody? Like, thank you all for tuning in to the show. So always, I got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we're coming your way with the 79th edition of the Don't Kill a Messengers podcast. Uh, first thing we're about to get into today is the NBA. Uh, we just had a big trade happen uh, not that long ago uh, that involves Kyrie Irving going to uh, the Boston Celtics. Uh, this trade includes uh, Boston. They're going to get Kyrie Irving, and the Cavaliers are going to get Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, and Ate Zizek. I believe that's how you say his name. Um, and Brooklyn's uh, 2018 unprotected, unprotected first-round pick. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, guys? I think the Cavs actually pulled off a pretty – they got a pretty solid return for giving up Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got a they got a comparable score in uh, IT. I uh, got some defensive help in Crowder, and and some something for the future in getting that draft pick. So uh, I think it was, I mean, very good return for them. I I, I kind of feel like Boston gave up a lot to get Kyrie, uh, yeah. seeing as I mean the, the jury's out if he can actually be the number one on a team. I, I know when he last was the guy. For Cleveland, he, he was still a young player, only a couple years in. Well, I mean, from his rookie year to about his third year before uh, LeBron and Kevin Love came. But, I mean, during those seasons, the Cavaliers were a sub-500 team. So, interested to see how this turns out. Uh, I mean, Kyrie has shown flashes of, I mean, being pretty much unstoppable near the rack, uh, pretty similar to IT. Uh, plays a little bit better defense than him, so I guess that's the the pickup Boston gets in that. Uh, but I mean, Boston still has uh, another All Star on their team uh, to to pair with Kyrie. So I mean, I guess we see where it goes from there. Yeah, I was I was gonna say I'm happy you you mentioned that other All Star there in Boston and uh, Gordon Hayward, mm-hmm. but because um, I w- I was gonna say you know. We can say Kyrie was the guy before, but he's getting more help now than he did then. Like we, yeah. we need to come to his protection there and just call that for what it is. Like having Gordon Hayward in itself more than he had in Cleveland those first few years. But I'm right with you. I like the return Cleveland got. Uh, and I think the most intriguing piece for me, and that's that 2018 pick, um, the unprotected, uh, Brooklyn pick, uh, very interesting for two reasons to me. One, that's LeBron's chance to leave Cleveland if he chooses to opt out. Um, so they can use that 2018 pick kind of in two ways. One, they can say, Hey, LeBron, we're getting a most likely number one or number two pick, you know, stay, you know, here's another great piece we're going to be giving you. Or if LeBron chooses to leave, at least they'll have some protection with whoever that number one pick is going to be. Uh, so it, it's kind of it's kind of a catch twenty two, but it's kind of a catch twenty two in a positive. Uh, usually, the catch twenty two has the two negative connotations, but I, I think this one kind of falls in the positive. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're getting similar scores here in Kyrie and Isaiah Thomas, so it's kind of a wash there, like Darnell alluded to. As well as um, Kyrie plays a little bit better defense, but it's not like Kyrie's a first team all defensive player, so. Uh, or a second team for that fact. So it's not, it's not like you're gaining or losing a whole lot trading those two players. Uh, and I think we'd all kind of agree there. Um, 
I think you're getting a more explosive player in Kyrie Irving than Isaiah Thomas, but I think a lot of that just has to do with the size of each guy. Um, so not really a whole lot you can do about that, but I think uh, Jay Crowder provides some protection for LeBron. Uh, you know, they can sub in for LeBron with a solid defender, a guy that can hit the uh, hit the outside shot as well. You know, it's not like Jay Crowder is going to be going to be an All Star next year or anything, but you know, just a, another solid player. They're adding another solid defender. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what kind of a team Cleveland turns into, though. Um, to to see if they, you know, ride Isaiah Thomas a little bit more and try to get a bit more offensive, try to run, uh, and maybe mimic what Golden State's attempting to do. Or if they try and lock in with Jay Crowder and try and get more defensive, get Isaiah Thomas to play a little more defense and try and shut teams down. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see which, which direction they choose to take. But, uh, either way, I think it was a good trade. I, I like Cleveland's side a little bit better than Boston's, but, uh, I think Boston's in a win now mode. And I think they've showed that with what they've given up for Kyrie and then, uh, you know, what they, did dealing Avery Bradley as well. I think they moved him to try and get some more cap space and they got Gordon Hayward. So just, I think they're in the win now mode and uh, I don't blame them. I think Danny Ainge is doing whatever it takes at this point to get the big names. And I mean, credit to him, credit to Boston. They've accumulated the picks and this is what they're able to do with them. All right, guys, uh, we all know that Kyrie's a beast, uh, but now he's actually going to be the man. Uh, he's going to, now it's his team. Uh, how do you guys think he's going to fill that role, uh, in Boston? I mean, uh, it's, I don't think he really has to change his style of play much unless he wants to try to become more of a facilitator. But, uh, with how Boston works, he, I don't think he has to because, IT is not much of a pass first point guard either. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're getting a similar player. Uh, some would say a better, uh, player overall, uh, better shooting touch from Kyrie, uh, more range from him, uh, and hard, like amazing to say, but a better finisher even than mm-hmm. IT, especially if you look at how Thomas is in the fourth quarter, but, uh, Kyrie is, better around the basket so i don't think he really has it's a good fit because he doesn't have to change his game too much and he's not playing with lebron uh anymore he has gordon hayward who is somebody that will probably be comfortable deferring to Kyrie and allowing him to be uh that top dog on the team because i mean i guess it was still questionable like he, he wasn't coming into boston for it to be his squad anyway uh with with thomas but so I don't think it messes up any uh, chemistry either. So yeah. I, I I think I think it's an improvement uh, for Boston uh, with with their draft pick and with getting Hayward. Uh, I think they they do do better and kind of like Ty said, they're just kind of in that they're in that frame of mind that they're trying to to win now. Uh, they're, they solidified themselves as probably the closest to the Cavs, uh, even by trading with the Cavs. Uh, but especially if this is the last year of LeBron, 
being in Cleveland, they still will have Kyrie for one more year then. And I think they, they supplant and become that de facto team in the East. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people would, you know, may think that Boston is now the team to beat in the East, but I think we need to see somebody actually beat Cleveland before we say that. Uh, yeah. But before we even make a discussion out of that topic, but you know, I, I fall in line with Darnell as well. I think um, Kyrie Irving is going to be fit for this team. You know, Isaiah Thomas was their go-to guy in the fourth quarter, and now it's you know exit stage left for Isaiah Thomas and enter stage right Kyrie Irving. It, it's like I mean, we we both alluded to it. You're getting a very similar player. Strong on the offensive end, not scared to take the shot. You know, just a guy who wants to put the ball in the hoop and can get to the rim. So I think Kyrie will do well as the guy. I think he's matured a lot uh, over the years in the NBA. I think his leadership, I think, will need to still improve. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of, you know, leadership moments out of Kyrie Irving. And I think that's going to be where he's going to have to really fill the role as the guy the most. Because we all know what he's going to bring on the floor. What's he going to bring off the floor? What's he going to bring at practice? That team in the frame of mind to push past LeBron James. Uh, and ultimately, that's that's going to be him. If he wants to be the guy, he has to do that. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think he'll be fine. I, I don't think he has to really change the way he plays. Like Darnell said, um, you know, unless he wants to pass the ball more, but I don't know why he'd want to pass the ball more. Um, but you know, I, I think Darnell also alluded to, you know, Gordon Hayward being the guy willing to step aside and let Kyrie take over the team. I think that's going to be probably one of the more interesting combinations out there of Hayward and Irving because I feel like they're two opposite players. Like, I feel like Kyrie will want the ball. He'll want to finish at the rim more than, you know, kick it out to Hayward for a 20, 25 footer. Um, so I just going to, I think that's what's going to be interesting to me, at least. So, um, how those two are going to gel, how they're going to click. I'm not going to say it won't work, but I just find it interesting that. Hey, you know, Hayward, a guy who is more likely to defer and Irving, who's more likely to hold on to the ball and take to the hoop, how that's going to gel, how they're going to find chemistry. Um, if, you know, we had this conversation with Golden State and I think it kind of shut everybody up about, you know, oh, they'll need to adjust, but will either guy take a hit in stats? I, I think it's just something that you at least have to consider when you're trying to put all these star players together. All right, guys. Uh, is there anything else to add for the strike? Well, uh, just kind of think about, like I still will put the Cavs as the number one team that will probably get to the That's finals to play Golden State again, but I can only imagine how Clay and Steph are salivating about the idea of Derrick Rose and IT having to guard them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah, do, do you, I guess this is another question we at least need to, need to talk about. Yes, Kyrie wanted out of Cleveland and it was more than obvious. Um, 
are you surprised that the Cavs actually traded him? Or are you, or like, maybe not necessarily are you surprised that they traded him, but that it happened now, that it happened with the team it happened with, for the players it happened with, you know, the whole trade, just everything about it. Like, what, what would you say was most surprising to you about it all? Because it kind of caught me off guard. It caught me off guard too. Just like I, I kind of pictured him uh, getting traded, man. Just with the whole, you know, beef that was going on between like him and LeBron and the whole Cavs situation out there, just debacling right now. Uh, but the trade helped him uh, for sure. But just the whole uh, Kyrie going to uh, Boston, uh, I think it, it, he'll fit the team well. But I just, I was not expecting the trade between uh, the Cavs and Boston to go down like that. Uh, just because both of these guys are very talented um, offensively. Um, you know, I just didn't see that happen at all. But, you know, they got it together, and I think they got a piece uh, that could work with LeBron. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not shocked that Cleveland pulled the trigger on this trade just because, I mean, like me and you agree that they, they probably got the better of the deal uh, because of the return that they got. But I'm I'm shocked that they got the return that they got because usually when you when you're sending off a, a player like that that wants to go, you're not going to get a, a return to this level. I mean, yeah. yeah. Usually when you're trading a max player, you you don't get equal value. And yeah, you think I, uh, Kyrie and it just that alone? You think that could have just been enough, or <laughs> I, I would have probably had to throw Crowder in there. I don't know about giving up that first round pick. Okay. Uh, of the Nets, I think. I think. I mean, I, I guess I. I wonder how much haggling had to go from that. I wonder if Danny Ainge just threw that package on the table and and they went with it. So I mean, I, we heard reports like earlier that these two teams were in discussion, but who knows how long that had been going on. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, like just because I mean, I know. I guess I wouldn't go Kyrie for IT straight up just because it's the NBA and that height factor for two players that are so similar. I don't think I could do that. So I would have had to have more if I was Cleveland. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I would assume IT and Crowder should have been enough there because you're, you're getting another defensive player that can help your, your best player. Yeah, but you know, Cleveland got a cherry on top with getting uh and 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 that draft pick, which you know, if there's a chance of them keeping LeBron, I think that that would be a nice piece to dangle there. Like, hey, look, I mean, if anything, we may be able to parlay this trade into another couple players that are of higher value that we can put with you to keep this team strong. If not, a a potential rookie that that you think you might want to play with yeah and and then i guess real fast i think what was surprising for me was the fact that you know isaiah thomas has risen as the face of the celtics and they just kind of dealt him haphazardly almost uh you just don't see you know all-star players just being traded like that um i'm I mean, I get it. If you're going to get Kyrie Irving, you're probably going to have to trade a point guard as well. Um, so, like, I understand, but it was still a little shocking to me that uh, they got rid of Isaiah Thomas. Uh, 
just because of what he turned into for Boston. And then secondly, I, I agree with you, Darnell. I feel like the return was a lot. Um, <clears throat> and, you, you know, kind of like you said, I, I wonder if Danny Ainge was just like, let's give them a little more than they think they need so they go through with it. Um, it was kind of like, we don't want to have to negotiate a lot, so let's just give them a little more than, you know, they think they need just so we can get it through. Um, I, like you said, we don't know how long the talks were. We don't know how extensive they were either. But it just kind of seemed like, you know, I, I think this number one pick will put it over the top and they'll, they'll want it. They'll take it in a heartbeat. And it's kind of like they wanted to do that. So nobody else took Kyrie Irving. You know what I mean? So that, that's kind of how I felt about it. But, um, just seemed like a, like quite a bit. Uh, but hey, if you want to get the deal done, you're going to have to sweeten the pot. So. They did. Yep. Uh, anything else, guys? All right. Up next, about to get into boxing. Uh, I have a pay-per-view coming up this week, uh, this Saturday, the 26th. Uh, I have Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor. Uh, huge hype for this fight, guys. Uh what do you guys think? Uh, is this the greatest fight of all time? I think it's the <laughs> I think it's the greatest fight of all time. If you're into smoke shows and mirrors, <laughs> gimmicks, yeah. Uh, judging by the laughing that you had to start letting out before asking that question, I think we got our answer. <laughs> this is a yeah. sideshow. This is this is a freak show. This is a circus event. Uh, it's a spectacle. A lot of people are going to pay for it, but I mean, it's it's garbage. Yeah. Uh, just what do you guys just think about the? Um, you know, you just kind of mentioned it. A lot of people going to pay for it, but uh, do you think uh, this fight will meet uh, some of the um, sale expectations? Uh, do you think this will undersell, or like, how, how do you guys feel about this? I I think it'll undersell. Um, only reason I think it'll undersell is because I think a lot of people want to see it. They just don't know if they want to pay for it. So I think a lot of people are going to somehow either go to viewing parties because of Trey, I know you said, uh, you guys have been invited somewhere to watch the fight. So, yeah. you know, that's one purchase of the fight and 10 people may benefit off of it. So yeah, I think it's just going to be a situation where viewing parties are the way to see the fight. And, uh, yeah, I just don't think a ton of people are just jumping to the bit to buy this thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be the most, I think it'll be the most purchased pay-per-view fight of all time. I, I do think there's enough hype like that behind it, but it's also going to be the most illegally streamed fight of all yeah. time. Just <laughs> a lot of people aren't willing to put that much money up on it so yeah i mean Qu quick question for you there darnell like do you think it's possible that it can be the most you know purchased pay-per-view fight and still undersell uh, like uh, i mean and, I, and, and i guess here's what i mean by that say you know floyd mayweather just comes out and's like you know i expect you know 100 billion dollars for this fight and they only bring in, you know, fifty billion, but it's still the most viewed. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what it comes down to. I don't know what the ex- expected buy rate supposed to be for it, yeah, I mean, uh, what they're projecting it for it. Uh, but I mean, I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure, like, like there's it's going to be a few million buys on this. That's yeah, that's just it's going to happen. But so so yeah, I guess that is a possibility. I guess we we would just have to know what the what the expectation is for it. Yeah. Now, guys, there's, uh, you know, a lot of people been, uh, clowning McGregor. Uh, I heard about the, uh, McGregor challenge and stuff going on. But, uh, does he have a chance at all? Or, like, is this, this is basically just Mayweather, just easy money, as he says, right? Yeah. I mean, it should be. I mean, if, like, if they fight this fight a hundred times, Floyd should win probably a hundred, but it is a fight. And, you know, so Mm -hmm. if if Connor can somehow land something flush and and knock him out, he's not going to outbox Floyd. That's just, let's let's put that out of there. But if he goes in and, you know, goes for a shot if he sees an opening and can land it and can put Floyd down, yes, he has a shot. So, I mean, it may only be 2%, but, you know, in in the words of, of Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. Yes, he has one a in a million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. We don't always come to this conclusion, but if you're stepping in the ring, you have chance. Just just by being there, it may be very slim. It may be of the thinnest margins, but you have a chance. Um, and I think Darnell got it right. He's gonna have to knock him out. Um, this fight's not going to go the distance and McGregor will win. That's not even in my realm of possibility. Uh, it's going to have to be a knockout or it's going to be an L for McGregor. Yeah, I can, I can agree. Uh, you know, with uh, what you guys saying, uh, I know I told you guys this before, uh, my whole kind of thing about this is, um, you know, of course, you know, every, once you get in the ring, everybody has a chance, but, um, just kind of a little bit worried about this fight because I was telling you guys last week about the whole Pacquiao deal. Uh, boxing is a very uh, dirty sport uh, when it just comes to uh, the judges. Uh, so, you know, just with Pacquiao, he did his thing in a ring a couple, uh, it was about a month ago or whatever, and uh, got screwed over. So it's um, it's always, you know, not really a good thing to leave it in the judges' hands. But, uh so you always got to be careful with that. But um, just looking at it, uh, this should be Mayweather's fight. Um, this McGregor, uh, how I think he's, he sh- uh, should pull off a win, I think he would have to be well-conditioned, which I think is a weakness of his, just looking in some of his uh, fights in the UFC. I know boxing is going to be a lot of less uh, strain on the body since he doesn't have to worry about you know people grabbing him, trying to wrestle him, choke him out and stuff like that. Uh, but... Uh, he does just looking at his, uh, UFC career, uh, he has been gassed, uh, pretty easily in some of his fights. So I think just for him to go out there, uh, he would have to go out there, swing a little bit, uh, try to get Mayweather tired, put his body, uh, weight on him. Cause it's going to be bigger probably coming into this fight and try to, uh, just put his body weight on, uh, Mayweather when it clenches up and stuff like that. Um, but, just with Mayweather's defense, man, that Philly shell is no joke. So he's, uh, that defense of Mayweather, it's going to be hard for him to crack it, but 
if he could somehow get those combos going, they could somehow set up a punch with that left uh, that he can crack Mayweather on the chin. Uh, could be a knockout for him, but it's not really likely, I don't think. So, just have to see. All right, guys. Uh, anything else to add for this awesome fight? I'll be glad after next week so I can stop hearing about it because it'll be done. <laughs> Guess we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, I will add this. Um, I do think this is going to be McGregor's last time uh, he fights. Uh, M- McGregor or Mayweather? McGregor. I just I don't think, uh, unless he still wants to pursue a boxing career, after he makes this much money, I can't really see him doing, uh, you know, going back to the UFC and settling for a little paycheck like that compared to um, what he's going to be making in boxing. So I don't, I don't think he's going to make that much money. Then go back to Dana. Okay, uh, here's two million for a fight, and he's probably going to make like what eighty million just off this fight. I just, I don't think he would do that. So just my opinion. Could be wrong, but that's just... It's not. It's not like it's a far out there opinion. Yeah. But I just don't think he's gonna... You know, after making that much money, you don't really see people downgrade like that, but... Yeah, it's like they'll never touch it again. Yeah, so... Like I said, could be wrong, but I think this could be the very last time people see uh, McGregor um, fight either... uh, Would, would Would you say that it would be the last time win or loss? Yeah. Okay. So, just my little thoughts, but, you know, could be wrong. Uh, but, yeah, let's, like I said, unless he somehow looks pretty decent and he wants to continue to train and get boxing to try more and see if he could bring in a good amount of money, um, I, I just don't see he, him making $80 million and then going back to the UFC fighting for, like, two mil. So, like I said, could be wrong, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, guys, any other thoughts on that? No. All right. Up next, uh, this kind of breaks my heart, man, but got to talk about Johnny Jones, man. This is, <laughs> man, my God, like you said, Darnell can't get right. <laughs> uh, just tested positive, uh, for drugs. So he's just been stripped. Uh, of the light heavyweight championship, which means apparently Dana said not officially stripped yet. Not officially stripped yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I was at, reading... at the time of this recording, he is still technically the light heavyweight champion. Okay, because I was reading uh, Cormier got the belt. Um, but yeah, but also means that I won't be able to see uh, him and Brock get it on. Man, that's what I was looking forward <laughs> to. So. But yeah, Jones messed me up, guys. Uh, what what are your thoughts on this uh, positive drug test again? I mean, I want to say I'm surprised, but I'm not. Just I don't know. It's just something with this dude. I, I don't like. I don't know if he just feels he can get away with anything, but always seems to get caught. Still, like it's. It, it defies reason. Uh, some of the things that he does. I mean, yeah. he's he's been arrested for like crimes. He's been caught 
doing street drugs and now twice he's been popped for a quote performance enhancing drug and from tmz's reporting who broke this story like this this one was popped for an anabolic steroid so and and taking a look at him like he, he's probably in the best shape we've ever seen him at least like visually yeah, there was a like, picture uh i saw somebody posted it was of him a couple years ago like compared to how he is now man and he yeah. just got completely jacked yeah like, just so so it's not uh i mean i know it's not always you can't just look at somebody's frame or anything like that to tell if they're on steroids but i mean he he looks the part, and th- that's going to be that another hard thing for him to get around. I know he has, he seems to have the most forgiving fans ever, but <laughs> I mean it, it, it's to a point now where like, gotta <laughs> show this guy he needs to do things the right way if he's going to earn cheering and respect, even even with him being, you know, the most gifted fighter possibly I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, man, I was just thinking, you know, you put two and two together, you know, him taking steroids is probably why he had to take those dick pills he was talking about prior <laughs> to that. So, could be, man, but it's this is tough, man, because Jones is one of my top guys, man. I, like I said, you know, Darnell, some of his fans are some of the most forgiving people in the world, but, man, this uh, enough is enough, dude, like. I really just looking at this like I really can't call him like I I, I thought like he's the best fighter uh all time in UFC history man he can't even be that anymore dude because he's just constantly just getting in trouble I don't care if it's just car accidents like I said him doing cocaine or testing positive for drugs it's like man like how how many times this guy just gonna continue to screw himself over and over again man it's just this is just getting really frustrating because this guy. Pretty much, you know, uh, it's in the peak of his career, and we're missing out on him because he's going to get a big uh, suspension from this, and just yeah, missing he, out. He's already had a one-year suspension, so yeah. this is this is going to be a multiple-year pop, yeah. most likely. So, so you just missing out on watching this guy in the ring, man. Just just going to be adding up, uh, uh, just totaling up on him, man. So it's just like I say, just enough is enough, man. This is just. Got completely out of hand. Do you guys see, and I not being as versed in it as you guys, I don't know if it's happened before, but would there be a day where Dana White just goes, dude, you're done. Like, you're not fighting ever again. Like, you're done with in the UFC. This is it. It's got, I mean, if it was, I was going to say, if, if it was another fighter that wasn't as talented that he knew wasn't going to make him a lot of money, yes. Dana White has pulled that with people okay. where he knows it's not going to kill the UFC's bottom line. But I think as far as like somebody like John Jones goes, he would rather, he would rather hurt his own bottom line than help somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I think John Jones has enough of a name where if he went to Bellator, he's going to sell pay-per-views. Yeah. Well, yeah. People will follow him. Exactly. So that's one that's going to stay with, like, he would keep him on on staff. But, I mean, Jones is working his own way to 
not being able to fight again. I mean, I, I think the third pop, you get a lifetime ban. So, okay. I, I didn't know what the system was there. Yeah, uh, new rules that they implemented, I want to say, like two years ago. Uh, you get that, you can get that one year ban off of, uh, your first offense. Uh, second one, I forget, but it's multiple years and maybe, I think it can be anywhere from two to five. And then the third one, you could risk lifetime ban. Yeah. Lifetime ban uh, for just like all MMA. So that'd be like UFC. And if he went to Bellator, it wouldn't just be. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. No, yeah. that's that's just because you, you won't be able to get sanctioned or li- you can't get a license yeah, to yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah, So. Yeah, that's crazy, man. He's shooting himself in the foot. But uh, just like what Darnell said, man, you know, Jones is one of those guys. Uh, if you put him up in the ring, he's going to sell. Um but, you know, with him just constantly getting in trouble, you know, I'm pretty sure it's cross staying his mind. You know, is this guy, like, can I just rely on this guy to just show up to a fight and, you know, just keep the belt uh, without, you know, a drug test or something like that, you know, stripping him of it. Like, it's just, it, it has to cross Dana's mind. But, you know, Dana's a money guy. And if he can get him up into a big fight and get some cash out of him, uh, he's definitely going to go for it. So, Yeah, I'd have a hard time giving him another title shot now. Once, I I assume they will strip him of the belt if, I mean, officially at some point soon. Uh, But yeah, like when once he deals with this one, yeah, I would have a very hard time giving him another title shot. Like, he would have to go undefeated for a couple of years going clean before I would feel comfortable going, all right, we'll give you a chance. Like, he, he's going to have to show that he's, he can grow up and learn a lesson. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Now, guys, uh, just how do you think DC feels right now just hearing this? <laughs> He's got to be mad. I mean, Darnell alluded to earlier. Uh, you know, uh, he Darnell was saying that Cormier, you know, had the quote, "He can't beat me when he's clean." So Darnell hit the nail on the head. You know, bringing up that quote, and Cormier's got to at least feel frustrated. You know, you lose the title fight. Comes out the guy wasn't clean. I mean, yeah, you could still argue that you know it'll it may be judge no contest now um but everybody's still gonna say yeah but jones beat him you know it's it's just gonna be one of to me it'll just be one of those situations where cormier just still has that public perception that jones is still the best fighter in that division no matter what happened um so i think cormier is gonna be very frustrated very aggravated um I also, you know, granted, I think he will think of himself the right way, but I think he's going to really come out and try to prove himself better than how everybody already views him. Like, a lot of people know he's most likely the second best fighter in that division, but, you know, I think he's going to want to go out now and prove something more. You know, whether, and I don't even know what that is, but I think he is going to feel the need to go out and prove something to everybody. Um, and, and that, that's just what I think. So probably doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, I, I would assume that 
like you said, I, w- I would assume he's pretty angry about this uh, because all the the shots that were thrown back and forth with, uh, like we said, uh, with DC saying basically you can't beat me clean and Jones coming back, he says I can't beat him clean. I wonder what his excuse will be after this fight. And now that question is back on the table. What would have happened if both of them were clean? I mean, maybe DC still gets knocked out. Maybe so. Maybe yeah. maybe Jones is just kryptonite for him and a bad matchup. But maybe he's just been juicing. So you know, he, <laughs> his skills were more heightened to what they should be. Uh, this gives. I mean, it, it puts the question back up in DC's mind. I know. Like I said, Jones's fans, his, his most staunch defenders are goddamn annoying to be uh, pretty clear about it. Like they just can't hear anything bad about him. Uh, like his his fans are stands basically. They they won't hear anything bad about Jones or admit anything. Yeah. So yeah, there's gonna be that part of the MMA fandom that just says, "Did you see? It was a it was a." It was a knockout. Like he—he mm-hmm. he was just that much better than him, and that's just all they're gonna hear about it. But it's like, yeah, it was a knockout. But who knows how long he had been juicing for that fight, and probably tried to cycle off, but it didn't work, and he yeah. got—he got caught. So I mean, yeah, if the question is just gonna be there, I was—I fought you while you were dirty. Like, who knows what happens if you're clean? I mean, up until. Up until that shot landed, DC, he was going toe and toe, yeah. toe, to toe with him. Mm-hmm. And just like the first fight, like, he, he tired out in the end, but he still was mauling, like, going after him. So, yeah. who knows if, if, uh, Jones didn't get whatever extra he got from the steroids, may, maybe DC could have got a different outcome. Maybe, maybe that kick isn't as hard. Maybe it's slower. Who knows? Yeah. But now there's just questions will be there. Do Do you guys think it that the perception you know, Jones is still the best fighter in that division will hold? Like, do you think people are still going to think that? Some. Because, like, uh, like you said, I, I, obviously the the diehard Jones camp is going to come out and say, "Well, he hasn't fought," you know on drugs his whole career, but I mean, I think it's, it'll, I think it'll be interesting to see if he gets more of the defense or if he gets more of like the MLB hall of fame treatment. Like if you were in that juicing era, like you're done, you know what I mean? Like does he get the Mark McGuire, Rafael Palmero, or does he get, you know, some big time defense? Like, I think that'll be interesting to see. As far as that goes, like MMA is a sport where they don't. If if you've been popped for steroids, you don't go through quite as much uh, yeah. hell as you would yeah. as as a baseball player. I mean, there's there's plenty of players that are still considered legends of the sport in MMA that have been popped yeah. and yeah. they haven't lost too much status. Uh, sorry to bring up another one of your boys, Trey, but Victor Belfort. Yeah. Is long <laughs> considered one of the dirtiest in the game as far as using steroids. Uh, Frank Mir has been popped 
once or twice. Uh, Junior Dos Santos just got popped. Uh, oh, I think a couple days before this news broke. Uh, oh, he did really. Wow. Yeah. Know. Yeah, and uh, and I mean, there's there've been others, so it and, and, it go it goes away. But just once you get to this level, yeah. I, I I do think it can hold you for hold you back a little bit to being considered the best at your sport, especially once you've been popped multiple times. Uh, and I mean, it, it does put a cloud over over somebody's career because, yeah, people can try to say, well, he hasn't been doing this his whole career. MMA really only got pretty strict on this, like using USADA uh, for drug testing and not doing everything in-house within whichever organization or league you're in. Like the the stricter uh, drug testing policy is only three, three, four years old. So so really, we don't know. uh, And Jones started getting caught (laughs) once it got strict. So honestly, we don't know how long he's been. Trying to gain a competitive edge. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I guess. Just to think of real quick, to, uh, yeah. you know, too, like, uh, you know, we cover UFC, but, uh, I still think the UFC, uh, still has a long, uh, way to go. I still think it's pretty much a relatively new sport, uh, that still needs to gain traction and fans and stuff like that. So, um, still think it needs to just branch out a little bit more, but, uh, it's getting there. Yeah. And, and I, I guess I just want to make it too, you know, I, not necessarily saying he's going to get shunned and totally cast off here. Like, I, I, I'm just curious in, to see, I guess, in the future, well, I guess like you said, Darno, will he get a title shot again? You know, it's the stuff like that. Like, is he going to kind of be looked over in this division now? Or is he still going to be the one that they say, you know, I don't care, you know, that he got popped for whatever drug it was. I still think he's the best fighter, you know, in the best division of the UFC. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, that that's just what I think is going to be something to look for. Because yeah. he he'll still always be around, and I still think he'll he'll sell. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, anything else? Uh, thoughts on um, you know Jones or I. Uh, Anything else on uh, the contact sports like like boxing or whatever? Before we move on, and just a black eye for the UFC with one of their biggest fighters, and of course, it happens a couple nights before they put their other top star on display in a in a boxing match. Yeah, I mean for Dana, he's probably like the timing couldn't have been worse for this. Yeah. Sure. All right, guys. Uh, we're about to touch into some NCAA football. Uh, got into some conferences last week. Now we're about to finish them off this week. Uh, first, about to get into the Big Ten. Um, just want to start it off uh, on your guys' squads uh, this year: Michigan and Michigan uh, State. Um, what are your thoughts on them uh, coming into the season? Who's going first? <laughs> I mean, you want the worst squad to go first? <laughs> it doesn't matter to me at all. Well, I'll just knock mine out. I mean, of course, uh, this is definitely a rebuilding year for my team. You know, we're looking to get back to 
uh, winning record ways. And, uh, of course, one, one would like to get back to winning double digit games every year, but that's not realistic, uh, especially after a year going, uh, with winning three games, going three and nine and with all the, contra- all the issues that went on with the team and a bad summer with, uh, three players being booted for a sexual assault case. Uh, I think this is just a season of just trying to get the team back together and show some chemistry and try to win some games. Uh, I think there's a couple bright spots to look at, but the team is going to be very young. Uh, you know, sophomore quarterback with, uh, Brian Lewerke, uh, redshirt sophomore, but, uh, nonetheless, uh, so looking to see how he goes there. Uh, young receivers, uh, probably the top receiver is going to be a, a freshman in Tristan Jackson. And, you know, O-line will be pretty much brand new spots along there. You, you have a couple at least mainstays with, uh, Brian Allen, uh, anchoring the place for him and, and the three-headed monsters we have at running back. So hope, hopefully that stabilizes the offense. Defense is going to be another issue. That's where all the, most of the chaos happened last year. Uh, they, they lost games for the team a lot. Uh, they couldn't get to the quarterback, you know, in 12 games last year, they only had 11 sacks, which is, you know, just awful for a defense. Uh, especially what you, are used to seeing from Michigan State, a team that can usually get after quarterbacks. So it's been one of our fortes. Uh, going to be looking to try to get back to that way. So uh, a lot of pressure on the defensive ends, uh, especially uh, Demetrius Cooper. Uh, he, he's the, the elder statesman uh, for that D-line, so he's going to have to try to show some things. And young secondary, uh, Josiah Scott, uh, being a sophomore, he'll probably be the, the lead corner for him. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of questions, uh, a lot of intrigue, because I, I do think that they're talented. All the players I mentioned, I do think are very talented, but can they come together, gel, and being young, can they, can they play as close to mistake free football as they can? Because that's gonna, what it's gonna take. And can they stay healthy? Because depth is gonna be an issue. Uh, just, just, yeah, I, oh, okay. Trey, I'm, I'm sorry, but I gotta beat you to this just because Darnell and I share an answer that you don't. Darnell is, Dan, is, uh, coach over there on the hot seat. Not for the season, no. I agree. Uh, yeah, it, <laughs> they would, they would have to be as awful, if not worse, than last year. Like, if we show, if there's improvement shown, he's fine. Uh, I think. I think after a season like this one, and being that he's, I mean, quite possibly the best coach that the program has ever had, yeah. I think he I think he's earned the right to try to fix it, yeah. especially since he he wasn't. I mean, of course, the fault falls on him, being that he's the leader, he's he's the coach, but he wasn't like our brows turning a blind eye for to things that were happening <laughs> in this program. So yes. Yeah, sorry, Trey. I had to beat you to that one. Hey, it's all good, man. You interrupt me again on beating your ass. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, go ahead, man. Touch on Michigan. Uh, yeah, I think 
Darnell and I have, you know, one similar concern on our team since youth. Uh, Michigan's returning like less than five starters on both sides of the ball combined. Oh, really? Um, wow. Yeah, it's they they sent. I think they had the most drafted players in the draft. Yeah, they did. Year. True. Yep. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, they still have a lot of promising returning players that just weren't starters. You know, I think um, one of the more notable ones is going to be running back Chris Evans. Uh, the guy showed a lot of promise last year. A lot of people started getting on that hype train, and uh, it will. From what I'm hearing, he'll most likely be the starter. Uh, but they have, you know, three or four running backs you could go with. And in college, it's more so running back by committee for a lot of teams, unless you got a guy that's poised to be a stud like a Leonard Fournette or a Dalvin Cook. Uh, Nick Chubb, you know, who I may mention a little later when we talk SEC. But yeah, just, um, They'll have a lot of depth at running back. They'll have a lot of depth at wide receiver as well. They they recruited very well at wide receiver, most notably getting Donovan Peoples Jones. Um, I honestly I expect him to be the top receiver for this team as a freshman. Um, just um, getting a lot of positive talk about him, physical build, ability on the field, just a lot of strong promise there. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, they're, they're returning a couple players that I think are going to be huge on the D-line, Maurice Hurst and Rashad Gary. I uh, believe they combined for four, uh, I had it up a minute ago, either 14 and a half or 16 and a half sacks uh, they combined for last year. So um, that, that'll that help get some pressure on uh, quarterbacks, help plug up the middle for the run game. You know, everywhere else on the defense is going to be super, super young. Um, guys will have to fill some roles very quick. Uh, defensive coordinator uh, Brown's going to have his hands full. But uh, I think he's up to the challenge. I think Harbaugh's up to the challenge. Uh, but I think uh, most notably uh, returning Wilton Spate, I believe he will be the starter. I think it's his job to lose, even though Harbaugh won't show his cards right away. He hasn't yet at Michigan. I don't think he ever has in his career. Uh, so uh, we should be strong at quarterback. Uh, again, as, in my opinion, as long as Wilton Spate gets the starting role, if he does not get the starting role, then there may need to be some adjustment going out there at the quarterback position as well. But, uh, yeah, just youth is going to be all over the field for Michigan. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who rises up. I'm sure Darnell's the same way thinking about Michigan State, just who's going to be some guys to step up early, uh, who are going to be some late bloomers in the season that are nice surprises. Uh, but at the end of the day, solid, you know, for both of our school or both of the teams we cheer for, your school, Michigan's not my school, but the team that you cheer for, uh, solid head coaches, solid coaching staff. So it'll be interesting to see how they develop the young team. So, a couple questions for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when do you expect a Big, T- Big Ten championship? Um, not this year. Um, this this year is. I still think they're too young. Last year, I, I thought last year we stood a very good chance. Uh, I I know I picked. Uh, Ohio State even, but, you know, last year's, 
if they would have beat Iowa, they were in the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, the game against Ohio State would have been, you know, the result wouldn't have mattered. They had, they had to beat Iowa, failed to beat Iowa, and it cost them big. Um, so last year was a really good year. I'm not going to expect it this year. Next year, I'll be disappointed if they're not in the Big Ten Championship game. Even though next um, year you'll probably have a first-year starter at quarterback? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, and and the, the, the reason I say that is uh, next year I'll expect it to be Brandon Peters. Uh, Brandon Peters will have had two years with the squad, two years learning the offense, and I very talented. Uh, his game tape looks great from high school. Now I understand there's a big jump between high school and college, but I think fundamentals are there, and I think he's very football savvy, very smart IQ, doesn't force a lot of throws. Uh, so I, I think him as a starter, I think he'll be able to adjust very quick. So next year, I'll be disappointed if Michigan's not, not in the Big Ten Championship game. This year, I'll understand. Next year, I'll be disappointed if they're not. All right, and question two, what is with all the questions around Spate? Like, the, does that give you any pause since apparently up I, until late it seemed like there was actually a quarterback competition yeah. going for the starting quarterback? Yeah, I, I think the appearance of a competition is just Harbaugh not giving away his cards. Like, for one, I think that's Harbaugh just being Harbaugh. Um, trying to get the most out of every guy, um, you know, not allowing Brandon Peters or John O'Corn to say, well, it's Spate's job, so practice like we're trying to win it. Uh, I think it's it's more psychological for Jim Harbaugh than anything else. Um, but secondly, I know a lot of people who aren't sold on Wilton Spate. Um, and and I, I don't understand. Like, Wilton Spate played some really good football last year. He surprised me. I know he surprised you, Darnell. Um, even yeah. you said you could see him on an NFL roster, not a starter, but you think he can make a roster. Um, I don't think that's too far off. He's shown great poise in the pocket, uh, smart, uh, smart decision making, things like that. But, um, I think, I think where people doubt him is the fact that you know, he didn't beat Ohio State. Um, he didn't blow away Iowa. Um, you know, we lost to Florida State, but you know, I, I I also look at it and say, I I I saw the stat the other day, and I can't remember um, the exact uh, the exact stat, but I think Michigan had the largest. Average or per game point differential in the country, like just over 30 points for their margin of victory. And it's like Wilton Spade's doing some good stuff if you're, if that's your margin of victory is, you know, around 30 points. Granted, you know, you're beating up on Hawaii, you're beating up on some of the smaller schools, but, uh, you know, I, I, I tell people Wilton Spade had Michigan in position to win in Columbus with practically a disabled shoulder. Um, I don't know too many quarterbacks in the country, you know, really competing against a top five opponent with a bad shoulder. Granted, it wasn't his throwing shoulder, but, you know, it's still still big for a quarterback. Um, 
you know, I, I think people are just frustrated or at least Michigan fans are frustrated, you know, not being in a big 10 championship game yet, not being in the playoff yet, uh, not beating Ohio state. And I think a lot of people are just looking to point the finger wherever they can and leadership roles are the easiest way to do that. You know, you're going to point the finger at Jim Harbaugh. You're going to point the finger at Wilton Spate. It eventually gets to him. Uh, a lot of people just, just kind of like everyone pointed the finger at the punter for not beating Michigan state a couple of years ago, um, off one of the most memorable plays ever in college football. You know, it's wherever you can point the finger, you're going to point it. And I think Wilton Spate start is starting to become a focal point there. Uh, but I like him. I like him a lot. I hope he's the starter. He'll bring a lot of experience to a young roster. Uh, guys that will need to be brought along, I think he'll be able to do it. So um, do I think there's quarterback competition? No. But I think Harbaugh's just trying to keep everybody mentally in it, preparing to the fullest every week. And no, Trayon, Jim Harbaugh's not on the hot seat. All right. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, who are some players uh, to look out for in this conference? I'll I'll hit this one first. Since uh, I went with the more obvious picks last week, uh, I may take some not-so-obvious ones, at least for the Big Ten. Um, first, I'm actually going to go running back from Northwestern. Uh, I believe is Justin Jackson. Uh, Guy led the Big Ten in rushing last year. Uh, rushed for just over 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns on uh, just under 300 carries. Uh, not a big name, but big production. Uh, a lot of people are going to be talking about Saquon Barkley as the best running back in the Big Ten. It's like he wasn't even the best running back in, in the Big Ten last year. So Justin Jackson, great name to look for. Uh, uh, surprising player has a lot of speed, fun to watch. Um, I think people would be surprised to see a running back of that quality when you turn on like Northwestern versus Purdue. Uh, a, a bright light in a lot of not very exciting games. Um, another name that this will be an obvious one, uh, Saquon Barkley. A lot of people are going to be talking about him as possibly the top running back prospect next year. I won't be shocked if he you know, is going to be a first, second round pick next year. The, the guy just is big. He's strong, uh, very mobile, has a lot of ability, uh, solid player. And I, I think he got showcased very well last year with Penn State winning the Big Ten, going to the Rose Bowl. Um, a lot of prime time um, and all that. So Saquon Barkley would be another one. One more obvious one, uh, Rashawn Gary out of Michigan, defensive end. Um, you know, just really solid player was the number one, uh, recruit in his recruiting class. Uh, you know, just it'll be interesting to see if he can help bring this Michigan defense to another level, um, and lead the defense, uh, to and, and, and I want to choose my words carefully because I don't want to say to be, you know, the best defense of the country, but, you know, I, I want to see them put pressure on a lot of quarterbacks next year, um, especially late in games. I feel, I felt like that was something they kind of failed to do in a couple, couple key games last year. So I just want to see if he can 
really push this defensive line, uh, help them really stay in it for the full 60 minutes of the game. So uh, those are three players I think will be very, very fun to look at. Yeah, so I'll I'll go a little more obvious since I, I went off the, the radar a little bit last week. But uh like to go along with with one of the ones you mentioned uh from Penn State, Saquon Barkley. He's mm-hmm. gonna be kind of a early season uh in the group of eight to ten players you wanna put in the Heisman discussion, he's gonna be there. Mm-hmm. Um along with him, uh his quarterback McSorley. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not the the biggest fan of him. Uh mm-hmm. I feel like he likes to just kinda throw it up there and see what happens. <laughs> he has one of those types of games <laughs> in my opinion, but yeah. uh but it worked for him last year. I'm interested to see how that plays out for him this year. Uh, of mm-hmm. course we go to Ohio State and have to uh say JT Barrett. Uh this is his last year on campus. Uh and finally you know, Yeah. <laughs> and and he was up and down last year. So we want to see uh if he can put together a consistent season this year and maybe get his prospects back up for going to the next level or maybe winning a Heisman trophy or something along those lines. Uh couple other ones uh we'll go uh with the Wisconsin Badgers quarterback uh Alex Hornibrook uh started as a freshman last year also uh was a little bit up and down but uh Wisconsin things line up very nicely for them to actually have it like they should walk to the Big 10 championship and have a cha- yeah. yeah and have a chance at going to the the playoffs uh depending on that defense and the arm of of Hornibrook basically Mm -hmm. so uh, I would say look out for him and then from the alma mater I I gotta say I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the the three-headed monster of of running back uh to see to see how that plays out uh with LJ Scott uh leading the way with that uh probably the the biggest name out of them uh, that most people are going to be looking for. Uh, but that running game is going to be dependent on a lot to uh, keep them ahead in games if they can get leads. So uh, all, all three of their running backs that will be getting time, but, you know, got to lean towards LJ. Yeah. I don't think I'm far off in saying this, but LJ Scott shows a lot of lazy on that. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's the closest comparison. He, he, yeah. He, he just does. Big body, catch, run very well, great between tackles. Like, uh, I think LJ Scott is, he, he's potential to be, you know, one of the best running backs in the country numbers wise. He has, he has that potential. It's just, I don't know that the offensive line will allow for him to reach that potential. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's that's what I think. I mean, it's it's gonna be a. I mean, he's gonna get the lion's share of the carries, but I mean, you're you're still gonna get uh, a nice. You're 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 gonna get another di- nice dose still of of Gerald Holmes and Madre London. Uh, I think they're gonna be put in there because I mean. They're they're gonna rely. I think they're gonna go back to what they what got them there basically as far as Michigan State goes, and that's gonna be trying to you know shorten games by running the ball and 
trying to keep the defense rested because, like I said, they have some talent, but they're young and there's not a lot of depth. So I think a lot of pressure is going to be put on that running game as a collective. And, you know, the O-line will have to learn how to run block if they're not very good at it because they're going to keep running into a brick wall, basically. I think yeah. that's that's just going to be the game plan. Yeah, and I I said this when Michigan State was, you know, in the playoff. I said it when they had that great stretch of six or seven years or whatever it was. But, you know, I always said Michigan State thrives off of time of possession. And running the football is very key in that. So you're, you're spot on. I think you are completely spot on. And if I can throw in one more name, it's not a player to watch, but it's going to be a coach to watch, and I'm just going to throw out P.J. Fleck. It'll be interesting to see what he does. Power five conference, big time division one football. He'll get, you know, the chance to beat or to play some really good programs. You know, he'll get, you know, Wisconsin and Nebraska in his division of the Big Ten. That'll be interesting to see how he stacks up year one. Uh, just how he handles himself in Minnesota, how he handles the program, and maybe Minnesota can make some noise. All right, guys, uh, let's get into the conference game. And uh, who do you have winning? Uh, what do you guys picks? You want it first? I've been going back and forth on this one. Uh, I have Ohio State versus Wisconsin. Uh, I mean, you have to keep wondering how how to, how well does Ohio State keep replacing players. Cause they they yeah. lost a lot, too. They didn't get uh, – depleted as much as Michigan did uh but they they lost a lot of top notch players but I mean they they recruit so well they're they're a top 3 recruiting class every year so with that but uh Wisconsin they keep a lot of their players they're going to be flat fresh because they don't have too rough a schedule uh they they play in the 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 west where I mean it's just not very Tough not, top to bottom. Not balanced. Yeah. The big time. Yeah. So I I think they will they will represent the conference on that side versus Ohio State. Uh I guess just I I'll I'll lean on coaching and I'll say Ohio State over Wisconsin. Okay. I got the same. Uh, I'll just say that uh you yeah, you said Ohio State uh winning it, right, Darnell? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got um Ohio State and Wisconsin as well. Uh just like my man Irvin, uh I just think Wisconsin they got an easy schedule and I just think uh Ohio State's gonna pull it off. So oh, Yeah, this makes me wonder, do I wanna just pick something different for the sake of being different? <laughs> hey man, go and shoot your shot. Feel. Shoot yeah, shoot my shot. Yeah, right. Um on it. Oh, you guys make this no fun sometimes. Go ahead and pick it. Pick your school. No, well, no. I honestly, I think uh, I still think Ohio State's the team to beat in that East division. Uh, I think so feeling uh, Rutgers tough. Yeah, Rutgers versus uh, Minnesota. <laughs> uh, yeah, but definitely not sold on Penn State. Uh, they kind of call. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys, like, because they are, you know, 
I'm not sold on. They caught lightning in a bottle against Ohio State. Blocked yeah. field goal for a touchdown. Like, I, I get it. It's It happened, and they won that game. They, they caught lightning in a bottle there. Um, McSorley starts hitting bombs in the Big Ten championship game against a good defense. Uh, but I just don't. I just don't see them repeating again. So you um, think last year was kind of a fluke, or? I, I but I don't want to call it a fluke either because they're they're a good good school, good program. Uh, I just don't think. Yeah, uh, then yeah, I'll say it was a fluke. I think okay. it was a fluke. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand. Yeah, I'm bitter. I thought Michigan <laughs> should have been there. Like, let's be real. I'm oh, about it. We beat Penn State, what seemed like a billion to ten, and they get to play for the Big Ten championship game. But hey, it is what it is. We lost to Iowa. We deserve to not be there. But um, yeah, we lost to the one team everyone gives a hard time for having a cupcake schedule, uh, year in and year out. But yeah. Honestly, Urban Meyer just has too good of a thing going. Michigan has a good thing going, but Urban Meyer's got fool's gold almost. Or no, he doesn't have fool's gold. He just legit has gold. Um, you know, it's it's year in year out. JT Barrett's back. Um, they'll find playmakers again. They always do. Uh, I'll go Ohio State out of the East and. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go Wisconsin out of the West, I guess. Okay, so we all we'll we'll make it super boring. Right. Yeah, and and I think we're all consensus there on the winner as well. Yeah, how do you and like? Uh, you know, like how do you like? What's your how many games you think Michigan's gonna pull off this year, man? Like, what do just, I think? You think like uh, Ohio State is gonna clearly get it, or you think Michigan's gonna get into trouble? Like, how do you? How are you feeling about Michigan? Man? I. The game against Florida is going to be big for Michigan. Um, I think that could easily set. I think that game sets the tone. If if they beat Florida, I think they'll be undefeated going into the Penn State game. Uh, if they beat if they beat Penn State at Penn State, most likely a night game, most likely college game day. If they win that game, I think they're undefeated playing Ohio State. Um. That's bold. I know that is bold because we got to go to Camp Randall, uh, which is where Wisconsin plays. Um, so I mean, we're we're looking at neutral field against Florida, and then we're looking at Penn State at Wisconsin. Thankfully, we're home against Michigan State, home against Ohio State. Um, I think that beating Florida step one, beating Penn State step two. Um, I think we can afford a loss to Florida, can't afford a loss to Penn State. Okay. Um, I always say it's not how you lose, it's when you lose. Like, Penn State lost to Michigan last year, first Big Ten game of the season. Didn't hurt them too bad. Now it's time to lose. Yeah, so, you know, if I'm Michigan, I think you can afford a loss to Florida, even though I don't want to see it. But I don't think you can afford a loss to Penn State. So, how many, realistically, I see Michigan at nine wins, realistically. Uh, nine wins in the regular season with a possible 10th from the bowl game, depending on matchups and all that. Um, but I think if, if they can beat Florida, beat 
Penn State, I think they have a very good shot of being undefeated going into that Ohio State game. But it, but I, I think they'll have to grow up real fast in order to get there. All right. Let's not jump yeah, around with you about them, man. But uh, our boss a beast, man. He knows how to get those guys ready. Yeah. So, but but realistically, I think nine, ten wins. Yeah. Realistically. That's, that's about what I would I would agree with there. I I got them penciled between nine and ten. Games one, because uh, I, I I just my question is I mean they lost a lot, yeah. and and Harbaugh is a good recruiter, uh but but yeah I mean when when you return that few starters that's that's a lot of production to try to make up and I mean outside of the the football factories that have been established already in Columbus and Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. That's 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 tough to make up from uh, with a coach in his what is his third year now fourth third yeah, yeah so so yeah I mean that's well and, that's, and I'll I completely agree and I'll even say it's it's not like they're walking into you know playing Western Michigan week one here like yeah. you're you're playing an, another top fifteen program you're playing an SEC school. Um, the silver lining is, I guess, the fact that they had to suspend six or seven players for week one. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's, it's still going to be big. It's going to be televised. It's going to be a heavily anticipated game. Uh, so I, I, I won't be surprised if some bright lights catch up to a few of them. All right, guys. Um, any other final statements for the Big Ten? No, just can't wait for that first game day Saturday. Yeah. Technically, it's the second game day Saturday. Yeah. First week has the blow off games. Yeah, I was going to say it's the week that's, I mean, just <laughs> if you, just need, you need a fix, you'll watch some of those games. But yeah, real. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Uh, up next, we're about to go to the SEC. Um, just to start this off, uh, is this still clearly the best conference in college football? Or do you think the Big Ten has something to say about that? I think the Big Ten has something to say about that. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna look at the uh the AP poll uh or the preseason poll. I'm gonna go to last year's final season rankings. And we're looking at Alabama, the only Big Ten team in the top ten, and the Big Ten has four teams in the top ten. So, like, I, I get it. It's a new year now, but, I mean, the Big Ten showed up pretty big last year. I think at one point they had six teams ranked, six or seven teams actually ranked throughout the season. Um, yeah, as, as much as I love the depth of the SEC, I think they're starting to get very top-heavy. Uh, you know, we're seeing the same, well, granted, in the Big Ten you see the same teams at the top, but I think we're starting to see... Alabama really pull a monopoly down there where it's they're the cream of the crop and everybody else is a step below as to where the Big Ten, you know, everybody else is beating each other up and you're looking at just a, you know, different teams sharing the top. Uh, we're starting to see a big balance in the Big Ten that we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, 
but yeah, I just think that the, the SEC is getting very top heavy, very predictable. Uh, but I, I think, I think the Big Ten's starting to, you know, wave at the camera and say, Hey, notice us a little bit. And I think everyone is starting to take notice. So, uh, I think where your question brings the conversation with uh, the word in your question that brings the conversation is clearly is the SEC clearly the best conference. I wouldn't, I would say, no, they're not clearly the best conference, but I, I do think that they are still the, still the best conference, but I don't think it's clear. Okay. Arguably. Very arguable. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty much along those same lines. I mean, if if you force somebody to make an answer, probably most likely their answer will still be the SEC. But uh, I think the ACC and the Big Ten are have made strides to kind of say you don't own this conversation. Like there's other names that can be thrown in there uh, as suggestion, and you know uh, the these first couple weeks of football might give us some answers to that too. Yeah. We have we have Michigan playing Florida, we have Alabama and Florida State uh playing. Mm-hmm. If if you know, if those two SEC teams were to go down, then you really got some questions that are gonna be coming up like, oh, number one team in the nation loses their first game of the year, albeit to the number two yeah. team. <laughs> uh but but hey, uh I mean, and that comes off of losing the national title game to another ACC team. Uh, and then, you know, la- last year you had LSU drop first game of the year to Wisconsin. So, you know, there, there's definitely some argument that can be, be made now. So, uh, clearly the best conference? No. Uh, in most people's minds, are they probably still the best conference? Yes, but a lot, lot more shaky to say probably the best conference than unquestionably the best conference. Yeah, uh, the only person I think out there that would say yes, it is clear is Paul Feinbaum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I will. Yeah, I will. I will say though, I think in the last ten years, this is the closest it's ever been. All right, uh, we're now about to get right to Alabama. Um, last year they were rolling, um, were doing their thing. A lot of people thought they were going to win a, uh, championship, but, uh, came short. Uh, they're ranked number one, uh, on the polls for the preseason. Um, do you guys think they're the clear cut winner, uh, to win the playoff? Or do you think there's some other guys out there that could, uh, just as easily win it? Well, no. I mean, they they return some good pieces, so I could definitely see why they are still number one. Uh, but I mean, look no further to the first game of the year. Like that's a team that could, you know, beat them uh, in the in the playoffs. I mean, it's game one, so that's not a game that will disqualify either team from making it to the final four if they were to lose. Yeah, but. But yeah, I mean, I like if I had to just make a top twenty-five right now based off of you know what teams have left and what teams have lost. Yeah, I would probably put Alabama one still, but but I I don't think they're unbeatable and they're a juggernaut. 
yeah, I'd agree. I, I think they can be beat. Clemson showed they can be beat. Uh, but I think a couple things go into them being number one. Uh, one is their solid recruiting. They have that year in and year out. And then second of all, I think their, uh, their consistency has put them in number one. I mean, we're looking, uh, I believe they're the only team to make the playoff all four years or three, mm-hmm. yeah. three years. Yeah. Yeah. All, all three years. So they're the only team to have made it to every playoff. Um, they're also, you know, more years than not playing for a national championship in the last five or six years. So we're just looking at a powerhouse program that's been super consistent, has, I think everybody would agree, he's the best coach in college football, Nick Saban. Um, and I don't know how else you can reward that than by giving them preseason number one. So uh, I, I have no problem with them in number one. I don't think there's much discussion, really, either. Um, just based off of that. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, well, anything else to add for that? No. Right. Uh, who are some guys to look out for in this conference? Uh, oh, I guess I'll kick in first since Ty did with the Big Ten. Uh, mine will be pretty short and sweet. I want to start with the, the quarterback of the number one team. Uh, and Jalen Hurts, uh, he, he was very good for most of the year. Uh, but when we got to crunch time, uh, he was a little, he was shaky at times against Washington and their, uh, first game in the playoff and also at, at points in time against Clemson. He, he did lead that last drive to, uh, take a lead, but you know, he, he was playing against Deshaun Watson who, went right back down and scored the game winner. Uh, so he did do some things there, but I think, uh, I think the, the onus is going to be on him to be a little more confident throwing the football this year. Uh, I think Alabama as a whole depended on his legs a little too much last year. Uh, I don't know if that was Kiffin not having enough confidence in him throwing the ball as a freshman. Uh, and of course, with the offensive coordinator change in in between two games in the playoffs, like that definitely could have also had an effect on rattling him. But uh, I definitely want to see what kind of progression he made from year one to year two as a starting quarterback uh, to see if he's made some strides, and especially in the passing game, he, he's def. We know he's going to be dangerous in the open field when he takes off. He showed that last year. So he'll have that in his pocket, but, uh, he, he has weapons and he's going to have to be able to use them throwing the football. Uh, and then my other player that I would want to look at is, uh, Willie Geis from LSU. Uh, he, he was a, a fine stand in for Leonard Fournette in games that he missed when he had to step in. And I think. He probably will step in and be the best all-around back in the SEC this year. And, you know, if he plays well enough, he could run his way into the Heisman consideration, in my thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I guess my list will be a little bit bigger, but still pretty pretty obvious in a lot of 
in a lot of ways. I agree with Jalen Hurts leading the number one team in the country. All eyes are on you at pretty much all times. So um, just interesting to see how a second-year quarterback handles it. I feel like he handled himself very well year one. Uh, had some had some moments where he looked like a year one quarterback, but uh, for the most part, he was very poised, uh, very composed, and uh, did a very good job. So uh, I'll give him give him a lot of credit. Uh, someone I I hope can step up for him a little bit better this year than, than they did last year was Calvin Ridley. Um, uh, Alabama again, but uh, hopefully he can become a bigger playmaker this year for Jalen Hurts. Some reliable hands. Maybe be, you know, the deep ball threat, uh, that Hurts needs. Uh, because they, they, they didn't have much of the downfield last year. Granted, they had a couple plays to OJ Howard, but, uh, it just seemed like he was due for one and that was it. And it was in the biggest of moments. So, uh, hopefully Calvin really can do a little bit more. Um, oh, my other name, Nick Chubb, uh, Georgia running back at, I agree with, with you, Darnell. I think that, uh, the LSU running back has more potential to be the best running back, uh, only because Chubb's still coming off that injury, but I think Chubb's the most explosive running back in the, in the SEC. Um, I think he's the one guy that has the breakaway speed that can really turn it upfield. Um, and I'd like to see him, you know, put that knee injury well behind him, have a killer year. I mean, last year wasn't his best year, but he still rushed for over a thousand yards. Um, and I, I, I'd like to see what he brings for NFL scouts because he passed up on the draft this year. Yeah, so I yeah. think he's looking to have a really big year, um, really impress the scouts, and, you know, maybe rival, you know, Saquon Barkley for best running back in the, in the draft. Who knows? Um, but time will tell with that one. And then, uh, if I were to give one more name, it'd be Bo Scarborough. So I've named three Alabama guys, but just Bo Scarborough's an animal and a half. Like he is physically imposing, just a huge running back. Um, but Alabama seemed to have gotten those kind of backs lately. Uh, Derrick Henry, uh, we all remember he was in the coin toss and that photo made everybody else look like children standing next to him. Mm. Uh, so, you know, Bo Scarborough, just a, very good, very good running back. Uh, hopefully, I, I would like to see him also relieve Jalen Hurts a little bit. Uh, make Hurts not feel like he has to make a lot of plays. I'd like to see him evolve in the backfield. Uh, as it seems like that's kind of the style for running backs in recent years, is you have to be able to run and catch. Uh, so it, I'd like to see him also give Hurts some help because I, I do like Hurts as a player. I like Alabama as a program. And like Darnell said, I feel like Hertz felt the need to make a lot of plays he did not have to last year. So I'd like to see the team step up, the playmakers be playmakers. And if Alabama's going to be the number one team in the country, those guys will do that. Okay, uh, now let's get forward, uh, to our um, conference game picks uh, for the SEC. Uh, who you guys got? I got uh, Georgia versus Bama. Uh, like Bama, I think they're going to handle their thing in their division. Uh, Georgia, um, a huge fan of Kirby Smart. Uh, they had it started off going, uh, last year, uh, ran into some games, but I think he's going to, uh, have his defense, uh, step it up a little bit more and, um, win that division, um, and play Bama for the conference game. So I got Bama beating Georgia. 
Yeah, I'm on the same side there. I got Alabama over Georgia. Okay. Hmm. Ole Miss versus Vandy. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with Alabama. I think that's the obvious pick, but I'm gonna go Florida out of the East. Okay. Uh, I think uh, we'll see that game again. All right, Bama. No Tennessee guys? No. What was that? Uh, No 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 Tennessee? Tennessee. Not making that mistake again. Okay. Man, they they were... They're they're another team that kind of caught lightning in a bottle, too. How many victories did they hold on to? Yeah. Walk, literally, like, run off the field with because they know they stole it. Yeah. You know, they're just... when, When that happens... I'm not. I'm not likely to pick you. Like I, I just don't see it. But do, do we all have Alabama winning? I assume. Yeah. 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 Okay. I just, yeah. And um, get ready to round these off. Um, finish this up, uh, guys. Like uh, this overall, like getting to uh, the Eisman. Um, for some candidates you think are uh, going to be up there for the uh, Eisman next year. I think we all could agree Lamar Jackson will most likely be back as a candidate. Um, whether he actually wins it or not, I think it's going to be a different story. But uh, I think we all have to throw him into that. Uh, just super explosive with his arms and his feet, um, especially if he's out there hurdling players again and having the, the Heisman highlights, as they like to call it. Like you, you have to have those plays that are Heisman-worthy, and he's very capable of making a bunch of them. So I think he's he's one guy that's gonna be there. Yeah, I mean I guess what I'm just gonna run through the short list. Yeah, you got Jackson, uh, you got Sam Darnold, you got yeah. uh you got Jalen Hunt, uh then on the running back side you got Saquon Barkley, you got Willie Geis, you got uh Possibly Chubb, like Ty, Ty mentioned, and uh, probably Bo Scarborough if he has uh, a big enough year. Yeah, I, I, I will say I don't think this is the year we see a wide receiver uh, be a finalist. I, I just don't. Someone will have to rise up out of the ashes. I think. I don't yeah. think there's a name out there that, unless I'm really just missing somebody. Well, no, and I'm, I mean, just the Heisman in itself has become like mainly a quarterback but sometimes yeah. running back award so yeah. it's, it's hard to try to yeah because if the wide receivers having a big year most likely a quarterback is too so exactly that's true. yeah, yeah. uh any that's chance um uh, what was your guy's name from michigan uh ty um wilton spate no he 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 would he uh Went to the draft. Uh, oh, Jabril. Jabril yeah, Patterson. Jabril. Any chance we see another defensive guy? Uh, probably not, unless you get a guy that plays both sides of the ball. Yeah, that's uh, gonna be like a, you know, a Jabril Peppers or Dory Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Um, to be fair, he'd probably have to even be doing it on special teams. Uh, the, yeah. the, the reason the reason Jabril got there, I mean. To be fair, the, it's not like the guy had a lot of touchdowns. It's not like yeah. he had interceptions. It was just he had a couple plays that were just highlight worthy. 
and, and he and, had the, he had the media hype early, so true. people were that's looking true. for him and wanting him to do something that's, big. That's true. And in as much as I don't want to admit it, if you don't have the highlight tape to back up your numbers, you're not going to get there. You're not going to win. Um, I mean, I remember when I think RG, the year RG three won at Christian McCaffrey was was the finalist, and he and he had I, I thought the best numbers out of everybody there, and he didn't win it. So it's it's just the fact that a lot of things have to be in your favor, and it's not necessarily your stats. Yeah. You, I mean, you have to be at a, you know, for lack of a better term, a media hyped school. You have to have the highlight reel. You have to get a lot of help from some players around you to make you look good. You, you just do, and uh, I mean, nine times out of ten, the best player is going to win the award. But uh, it it doesn't just boil down to what stats do you have. Okay, guys. Um, okay, now to really get ready to close it off, uh, let's just end it with our playoff picks and who do we think will end up winning the playoff this year. Well, uh, for me, I'll go first. Uh, my top four uh, will be Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State and Washington, and I have Alabama. Well, who? So you would? Oh, uh, you're just gonna pick the winner of it all? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you'd pick a finals matchup or not, but that's cool. Oh, I, uh, you guys want to do that? Sure. Why not? <laughs> it makes We're it all just good. guessing anyway. <laughs> yeah. it'll, it'll change about four times throughout the season. <laughs> all right. Uh, I have, okay, Bama, Ohio State, FSU, and Washington. Uh, give me Bama and Florida State, too. Ooh, uh, so rematch. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, well, I guess um, I'm going to follow suit with you, keeping the Big 12 out uh, for, what would it be, a third year? Second year in a row. Um, no. Yeah, it would be a second year in a row, wouldn't it? Big 12 missed out last year? Uh, Oklahoma was. Yes, Clemson, Clemson, Washington, Ohio State, and Alabama last year. Yeah, so Oklahoma did miss out. So yeah, second year in a row. Um, I'm keeping them out. So I had, I guess I go Alabama one, Ohio State two, Florida State three and USC four, uh, said USC and then I guess I'll go Alabama, Ohio State with, uh, shoot. I really don't want to pick Ohio State to win it all. So let's go Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> uh, the fan is strong in this one. It has. <laughs> Uh, well, I guess, I guess I'm, I sound like I'm stealing from both of y'all, but I'm going chalk too with the final four. Um, I'm going to go Alabama, Florida State, Ohio State, and, uh, USC, but I, I have Bama over Florida State in the matchup too, uh, rematch. Oh, okay. You think a rematch too. All right. For that, that'd be the first rematch we've had since, uh, Bama LSU, right? Yeah. Yep. That thrilling 6-3 or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the first game. Yeah. 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 The, the second game was, what, 17-10? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it was a shutout. The, the second game. Oh, was it? Remember I, L- I, mean, L- I couldn't remember L- that. 
LSU couldn't cross midfield. I couldn't remember that. I remembered the first game. It was. I, I liked it. I, I I liked defensive games, so I was cool with it. But yeah, no, sort of, yeah. definitely. I mean, but I, I guess the thing I find interesting about that is you don't, you just don't often see the rematch. Yeah. But I think, and like you know, I was saying earlier, whoever loses that week week one matchup of uh, Florida State Alabama, that's an early enough loss to a good enough team that they'll only drop to like. Three or four. They're, you're not going to fall very far losing either of those two. True. Especially right. if it's close. Yeah. Uh, just to sum up our picks, uh, last week uh, when we made our picks for the Big 12, we all had Oklahoma. Um, me and Ty, we had Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. And Darnell had Oklahoma versus Kansas State. Uh, for the Pac-12, um, me and Tyler, we had Washington versus USC. Um, I had Washington. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. We had different winners. <laughs> you got <balls>. already? <laughs> uh, Tyler, yeah, Tyler had, yeah, Tyler had USC winning. I had Washington and oh, yeah. Darnell had Stanford versus USC with USC winning. Um, for the ACC, um, Tyler and Darnell, they had Virginia Tech versus Florida State. They had Florida State winning. We all have Florida State, but I had the U uh, versus Florida State. And for the Big Ten, what we got today, um, we all have Ohio State versus Wisconsin. Ohio State winning, and we all got Bama winning. But uh, Tyler has Florida versus Bama, and uh, me and Darnell, we got Georgia versus Bama. And for our playoff picks, uh, Tyler got Bama, OSU, FSU and USC, uh, Bama beating Ohio State, uh, for the championship. Uh, Darnell has Bama, Florida State, OSU and USC, um, and Bama beating Florida State. And I have Bama, Florida State, OSU, um, Washington, and Bama beating Florida State. So any Quick changes, guys. Are we all set for that? Uh, I'm just going to stick with it. All right. <laughs> Here, here's, here's, I guess, j- just some off-ball. And, and it's just quick quick yes or no. Does a two-loss team get in? Mm. No. Because last year we saw our first two-loss team get in. And 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 th- this can just be like obviously we we just made our picks, but th- this can be a off the record. You can take a chance if you want to. So it's going to be: Does a two loss team get it? Darnell said no. No, just because every all Power Five conferences have a title game now. I think that cancels that out now. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say no as well. Oh, okay. Does a and and I will say no to this, but just just because we saw it last year, we now have to ask: Does a non-conference champion get it, or would you say there's even the possibility? Well, I guess we have to say there is the possibility. I say there's happen. a possibility. Yeah, um, because it's happened, I, but does it happen? Yeah, highly unlikely. No. no, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say no. I don't think it will, but if it if it were to happen, I would think Clemson would. That would be my pick to, mm-hmm. for them to get in. 
So. Yeah, could, yeah, could, and the, like I said, the only reason I bring those up is we, we have not seen, or, no, I still think a two loss team has not gotten in, but a non-conference champion has. So really the only criteria of what it takes for a team to get in is you at least have to have one loss or less. Yeah. Huh. Because last year, Ohio State got in not being conference champion, uh, which made it super interesting kind of through a curveball in the process. But, uh, you know, I think that just adds to the discussion makes it super interesting of what exactly are the qualifications here. Granted, they had some really good wins. Uh, but, uh, yeah, j- just thought I'd get quick yes or no's there. Who's everybody's, uh, non-power five? <laughs> well, no, just like, uh, Fifth, fifth team, uh, as far first as team out. Yeah. <laughs> first team out, Michigan. <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> Not even thinking about it. <laughs> I'm feeling Clemson, man. I, I really do. Uh, I just think, I just, I think it's going to be close between them and Florida State. Uh, but I think Florida State's going to, um, end up pulling through, but, uh, Clemson, that's going to be my squad. I think it's going to, I'm, I'm going to go Oklahoma State. The conference of no defense. Yeah. You know, they, that's, they, that's a good one. Not a bad pow, power offense, uh, quarterback that can sling it. I mean, I, I expect them to score like 40 something points a game and just be in shootouts, but I, I expect them to be playing, you know, Oklahoma with no more than two losses yeah, at the my, end of the season for the Big 12. Minus the Badgers. Oh. I mean, they, I, I just feel like they feast on the Big Ten until the to the Big Ten championship. And yeah, I, I well, and I mean, you're also looking at a team uh, solid defense, always yeah. has a good run game, always has a beat yeah. the O line. Well, yeah, and I mean, even though they, I I do think their schedule shapes up nicely. I do think they're a very good team. So but yeah, I mean, that's I mean, just, they, they, I think they ended the season at eight or nine last year. Yeah, I think they won their bowl game. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, but hey, I, I may I may pick Lane Kiffin to pull the upset on him. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> Don't count him out. But all right, guys, y'all heard y'all predictions. Um, any quick changes before I lock them in? Oh. Nope, I said it. Put it on the board. Stone. It's in stone. All right. It's officially now, in stone. Now, now, so. now, Trey, you can't go mid-season change here. Right. <laughs> it's, your, it's your opportunity to change. Yeah. These these are just guesses. I make my money when we do our picks, anyway. Yeah. I got I got to defend. I got to defend both yeah. of my titles. Yeah, I, I need so. to do a lot. Better than <laughs> we started. Yeah, we we were rough for the NFL though, but we we started yeah. to pick it up during the. Uh, wants to start rolling a little bit more. So, and that means we'll be covering the NFL real soon as well. Yeah. But all right, guys. Um, any final statements? Nope. I am Just happy. Right. I'll have something more to watch than baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Just Same. can't wait, man. Uh, Florida State and Bama and Florida and Michigan, man. That was going to be. Uh, some good games to really start the season off. 
Uh, even though it's technically it starts this week, but you know, yeah. Yep, going to be a lot of beer and food going down that Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, as always, I appreciate y'all tuning in to the show. Um, you can check us out on Twitter at DKM underscore cast. Uh, you can also check out this, uh, pod- check out our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, YouTube, SoundCloud. Just hit us up in that search engine. Uh, we'll catch y'all on the next episode. Peace.